And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Also in the studio with me today is my wife, Debbie. And on the phone line with us today is Lee Bortons, and she is founder of Classical Conversations. Lee, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm glad that I can do this. We, uh, we carry your uh, feature called Classical Conversations. Uh, we used to carry Homeschool Heartbeat, and that, that finally reached the end of its whole broadcast time, and they allowed us to carry Classical Conversations, and we've been listening to it. We really like what we hear, and um, that must take a lot of your time to, to be involved with uh, not just doing the whole classical school model and educating kids, but also now doing a radio program. Yes, so um, I'm actually finished with my uh, kind of education, at, uh, being a tutor or teacher or homeschooling parent at this point, both with the business side and my own family. Uh, Robin, my four children are all grown. And so at this time, what I'm trying to do is support those that are trying to homeschool. And the classical conversations about homeschooling is just one of those endeavors to encourage people to use the classical model of education while they are homeschooling and hopefully reach out to people who maybe aren't homeschooling but um, really appreciate a quality education and to give them ideas for their own schools or home. How would you sum up classical education in its maybe major tenets, Lee? So for me, after having worked with four boys for over 30 years as well as thousands of students, what I think classical education is is the most natural way to learn. It has, you know, scholastic words attached to it, like grammar, dialectic, and rhetoric, canons of rhetoric, things like that. But really what it's about is recognizing that we're a whole body with senses and a brain and that you input information, you think about it, and you use it. And so we call anything that you do to activate your senses and be curious and aware and learn and memorize, all that's grammar. Then once you have an idea and you have words and thoughts, you think about them. So we call that dialectic. And then most people don't just think and stop. They actually do things. And that would be the rhetoric of a um, classical education. So that's just making it really broad in how humans just are. Um, and what I like about that is when my children were struggling with learning a subject or completing an assignment, it made it so I could stop and say to myself, okay, do they just not know the grammar? Have they not had enough time with the information? So I'm asking them to do things they just cannot ever do. Well, and then if that wasn't the case, then no, they could, in a cursory way, tell me about the subject and what we were trying to work on. Then I could say, well, maybe I haven't taught them how to think about it well. Do they know how to logically process this information? Do they know how to integrate it into the other information that they know? And we could work on that. And if it turned out that, yeah, they, could ha- they understand the concept, that's how parents will put it, then I can say to them, okay, so maybe you just don't know how to communicate your understanding. And we can work on the rhetoric. So to me, classical education has been done for thousands of years because everyone who paid attention to how young people learn, it's just the natural way to do it. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's helpful. And um, I, I sometimes wonder if um, some homeschool parents 
uh, maybe haven't used the terms grammar, dialectic, and rhetoric, and yet uh, the way it worked out was quite similar to a classical education without intentionally doing it. But um, tell us a little bit more. Um, it seems like this kind of structure helps you fill gaps and make sure everything is covered. Um, what, what's the what? What have you found to be the beauty of of, of this style of education? Well, um, I don't know that you ever cover everything, but what you are doing is you're trying to be aware that you have a human being in front of you, and that's the beauty of it. And so, like I'd referred to before, it's trying to, as an adult, as a parent, as a teacher, whatever your role is, when you're trying to communicate with actually anybody, is it helps you to identify where the communication gaps are. It makes it so that you're just really aware of what the other person's questions and understanding and problems are instead of just paying attention to the content itself. So it's whether it's your two the gospel or explaining what communion is or having um, a conversation about functions and graphing them, the classical model just makes you so aware of where deficiencies are in communication and how to improve on them. And if the role of education is to pursue truth and to um, look at truth, goodness, and beauty and other virtues, what you want to be able to do is communicate that. So education to me is just about helping the folks around me understand what I'm thinking and also understanding how are they thinking so that we can have a conversation together that has similar presuppositions, similar goals, things like that. So I think that's beautiful. Definitely. Those, those skills really transfer beautifully to every area of life, don't they? Yes, they do. And that's why um, from the very beginning, when we were homeschooling, and we were not Christians when we first started homeschooling our children, but my husband had a really rich education, and he kept trying to explain to me what the classical model was and how to do it, but he didn't know any words to use. He just had this intuition that it was the right way (laughs) to learn. And somewhere in late elementary school with our older two, uh, books started coming out about it, and Christians started talking about it, and I started to be able to see that, oh, this is, he just wants me to do it in a way that's really natural for the kids, as well as allows them to be rigorous in their academics. Um, and so, because that was the part that I liked. I wanted rigor in academics, but would get frustrated as a parent when I didn't understand why my kids couldn't do stuff. And that wasn't fair to them. And so the classical model just helps identify how to teach well. And so once I understood what my husband was talking about, it's like everything just went so much easier. Yeah, I can envision that. And also, I think I remember those early days. We started in 1990, Lee, with home educating our four children. And we, I think, referred to the grammar, dialectic, and rhetoric as the three R's, but not reading, writing, and arithmetic. It was something like rote, reason, and rhetoric. Does that ring a bell? Uh, no, that sounds wonderful. Obviously, I know what you mean when you say that. That's really great. I'm going to keep that, all right? <laughs> That's writing fine. It down. <laughs> but, but working with the children's um, growth, when they're little, they want to repeat everything. So it's the rote. And, um, and then the reason, um, give me the reason for this. And then, then applying it, like you say, with the rhetoric, um, do something about that knowledge. So I think they are just the same terms pretty much for the same concepts. Yeah, they really are. I mean, people will say, you know, have you memorized the facts? That's the grammar. Have you, do you understand the concepts? That would be dialectic. 
And then can you write an essay? Can you explain it to me? That would be the rhetoric. It's, a, it's just simple human nature that's been scholasticized. Yeah. Um, also, another question I had uh, that I'm anticipating maybe listeners will have is that uh, the fact that each child is, is different. And it sounds like uh, your approach is that uh, you don't try to press him or her into a mold, but uh, you have this structure, but um, you let the child branch out into those areas where she really has a calling from God and a passion to pursue, as they get older, a particular line of study. Yeah, and so what I love about the classical approach is it recognizes that whether your child's more kinesthetic or auditory or loves motorcycles instead of uh, mathematics, that they still have to put information into their brain. And so it allows you to work with any kind of personality or gifting. Um, And then you recognize that they have questions about the things that they're interested in, no matter what kind of uh, subject it is. And so you teach them how to ask good questions and to logically process the information. And then, of course, that passion is, you know, their, their rhetoric is so natural when it's a passion, right? They have that great baseball card collection or they just draw all the time or, you know, you see the outworking of the rhetoric of what's inside of their spirit and can help as a parent to guide them um, in the things that God's given them. You know, uh, as I hear you speak here, I'm thinking about uh, my own experience growing up as a young man and I went to the public school and we didn't homeschool in those days, uh, my parents, and I guess there were private schools around, mostly Catholic schools perhaps, Um, but I didn't really like school. I kind of hated it, and uh, there was a kind of a subtle persecution going on there, uh, not made up, but real, and um, yet the thing that really made a difference for me as a young man was I got interested in, uh, there was a club in school, a ham radio club. And us boys would get together and practice Morse code, and we we took on a project. We would build a transmitter. We would put it on the air and start, you know, making contacts around the world. That was that was transforming to me. Um, have you seen the role, uh, the, the the powerful role uh, that projects will have in your uh, experience? Yeah, I think that a lot of us call that delight-directed education, and it's the thing that the child wakes up, you know, just really interested in doing. And when you find that mentor, whether it's your mother or father or a good book, um, you know, the child just, that fire gets ignited. One of the concerns I have about that, though, um, and, you know, just talking it in a greater context, I think the role of a parent is to balance that delight-directed education with actually things the kids don't like to do also. Oh, yes. So I just don't want to lose track of that, right? They don't always want to brush their teeth, and they don't always want to know their multiplication (laughs) tables. So for me, what we would do is uh, just, you know, the things that they enjoyed, usually there was some aspect of that that could transfer to other subjects that they didn't appreciate so much. And if the parent can just look at those activities, like, for instance, if they're a car mechanic, telling them that if you uh, don't practice your public speaking, you're not going to make sales and no one's going to hire you to be one, yeah. right? That there's always this integrated, holistic view to whatever the child's gifting is. And helping them with the things that they are weak in is really, to me, what a parent does. The things that they're strong in, they're going to pursue that no matter what you do. So our job is to not just let them, you know, fly, but to also say, hey, I need to rein you in a little bit because you're missing something that's going to be really important when you get older. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I'm looking at your website. It's found at classicalconversations.com. And we've talked a little bit about the classical piece. You have a couple of other headings here. Uh, The one is Christian. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of a Christian worldview in education? Sure. And for me, it's way more fundamental than just uh, tacking the Bible on or going to worldview conferences um, as part of your education. It's actually looking at how a child is described, how human beings are talked about in the scriptures, and to try to integrate that just from the beginning, foundationally, into what you're doing. So, for instance, for me, I'm always looking for the um, you know, ways that the scriptures support homeschooling, and I think there's a lot of that. But more importantly, what is the style of, say, the Bible? How is the Bible written? Well, we know that you have, um, just on the structural side, you have books and chapters. And a curious little thing, over thousands of years, we assigned numbers to even the sentences, basically. So I look for curriculum that breaks things down into chapters and chunks. And if you look at old curriculum from the 1800s and before in the United States, they even had addresses for every important piece of information. So for me as a homeschooler, what I like to do is hang out with other people so that I can say, hey, I'm not understanding Rule 15 in this book that we're all using, and they go, oh, well, I can tell you how to um, teach that here, kids. And so you develop this commonality of understanding, just like we as the body of Christ do when we study the Bible. So that's the kind of material I'm even looking for um, and how the, you know, the scriptures form that. So that's just like a small thing. I could go on and on for four hours on <laughs> things throughout scripture that I look for now in life. And a lot of that Schools don't teach. Teacher schools don't teach. Uh, um, we don't know to look for it unless you are with other folks that are like-minded and you have iron sharpening iron, and they're the ones that will point out the things you miss and can pray with you. So I feel like community is one of the things that's really important in scriptures, that we're a body. And so emulating that as homeschoolers, to not have lone schooling, but to actually have our children in the community working to serve it and not necessarily to be served by it. As you've worked with kids, um, you see them go on to their life's callings, but while you're working with them, it seems like um, there was a certain uh, joy that you experienced as a teacher working with them. Can you tell us about um, your, your emotions that you went through as, as you were training kids? Sure. So um, just for some setup, um, once a week, I would get together with some other students who and their parents. The parents were very involved in our curriculum. And we would work on academic subjects. And I was what's called a tutor. I would just lead 8 to 12 students and their parents in the various subjects. And what was just really great about that was we didn't bisect um, life. We had all the subjects that the students were studying, we studied together. We didn't just have like a, I wasn't just a math teacher or just a Latin teacher. I taught six subjects with them or tutored them. So it was just so delightful when they would see, for instance, um, something about, say, the coordinate axis in math and then the coordinate axis in their physical science astronomy and then the points of references in the scripture and the students would go, wow, just like reference points for everything. And that connection of a holistic idea of education and how the world works was always what delighted me the most. 
Oh, that's cool. That's 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 real life. I, I like that a lot. It, what's coming out here? It, it's it's no surprise, and and that is the importance of community of getting together with people. Um, I know Deb here had experienced some of that years ago when she was homeschooling, um, and uh, she bore the brunt of it. I was at work during those hours during the day, and uh, yet uh, the beauty of being able to get together with other homeschoolers for support and sometimes other moms were strong in certain areas, et cetera, and could pick up some slack or we could pick up some slack. Um, community, can you talk a little bit about the importance of that? Sure, and before I do, I just want to thank you. Probably the most important thing fathers of homeschooling families do is pay for the bills, and that sometimes means they have to leave. And so thank you for supporting her so that she could do that all those years. Mm. And so, um, and then, so that's part of the community too, right? So the greater community is helping to pay the bills, and people forget about that. So I just really appreciate the men that are involved and then as far as your wife and her uh, working with the greater community, I think that a lot of people who don't homeschool think we just bring books home and sit and work on them. And I'm sure what Deb found out was that not only um, were other like-minded, say, homeschoolers or maybe church members part of their academic community, but I know for my family, um, various artists and musicians, um, gardeners, employers, uh men in the church who uh, discipled our children, that the academic community went well beyond our family. And what was really great is that we could find the best of people who both loved Christ, loved their subject, and loved our children. And, you know, and sometimes you had to pay for it because the workman's worth their wages, and sometimes a great workman doesn't even want any income. So, um, you know, it was just this ability to always be out in the community looking for the best of help rather than just taking what the state assigned to you was, to me, one of the beauties of having uh, homeschooling and just the freedom of being able to leave the house whenever you wanted to and not having a firm schedule. Exactly. And I love the idea of mentoring. And it sounds like you, Lee, are now in that role of, of supporting homeschooling parents. And I think a lot of it is training the parents as well as the children. But I was always on the lookout for mentors for our children, having three boys and a girl. Uh, the boys wanted to do a lot of hands-on stuff. So we had lots of 4-H projects when we would build things on the property. Those kids were right there with us digging holes and mixing cement. And they loved it. And what was so beautiful, Lee, was some of the people in our church um, had various skills, and they offered to um, be with our children. One gentleman was retired. He loved doing woodworking. He sold a uh, little like folk art um, in some of the shops in the area, and he taught our oldest son, Timothy, how to do that. So I would drop the children off. I'd do some shopping, and um, his wife, Cookie, would want to be with the other children, and Tim would be in the garage with Bill and using that jigsaw and then painting things and, and then even selling them in some of the craft stores in the area. So it's marvelous when people get involved in, in other people's lives, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it really is. I had an older gentleman ask me how with four kids I did six hours of subject a day because that would be 24 hours. And I just, you know, I looked at him and said, I didn't do it that way. You work <laughs> two or three hours with the kids on the academics as a family, and then you kind of go your own way in the afternoons and do the things that are more delight-directed with each of the children, and you're out and about. Um, basically, what folks have a hard time wrapping their heads around is that we just live with our children. Exactly. It's, well put. Yeah, yeah, it's just that they think we're doing something to them, 
when they don't understand that, no, we're reading the same books they are and watching the same movies and going to the same operas and classical music concerts, as well as building decks and fishing. We just do it together. Yeah, that's a wonderful point. Uh, today we're talking with uh, Lee Bortons, and she is founder of Classical Conversations. And uh, Lee, if there's a homeschooler mom out there today that happens to be listening, and she says, you know, I'd like to fold in maybe a little bit more of the classical uh, influence, um, and maybe this is the first time she's heard this uh this this stuff, let me call it. Mm-hmm. Um, where could she go to learn more? Well, of course, our website, classicalconversations.com. But um, if you'd let me uh, promote myself a little, uh, I've written a series of book, a trivium, um, called The Core, The Question, and The Conversation, dealing with grammar, dialectic, and rhetoric. And it's not written, the three of them are not written from a very scholastic point of view. They're written from a homeschooling how do you just use the classical model with your younger children the whole way through high school? And so I would suggest they start with my books. Well, that's beautiful. And uh, I spent a little bit of time earlier today, and I found you giving a couple of uh, talks online on, I think it was YouTube, and uh, there was one interview with a gentleman who also was doing uh, classical education. It had like a water scene in the background. It was a beautiful uh, conversation. And then I found another um, speech you were giving to the Heritage Foundation. So there's a lot of resources online where they could learn more about what you're doing and connect with you. Um, I also see here on your webpage there's a free download if you include your email address and then you can uh, get in touch that way. Yes, we have a, just a, a lot of resources out there, and social media has been really helpful in helping uh, those of us that are actually sane, not not only you know the bad guys, but to find one another and to support yeah. each other. And so we use that in social media the best we can. Well, how many, um, uh, for your particular organization, Classical Conversations, how many uh, people are involved now, now that the ball has really been rolling here for some time? Tell us about... Uh, the involvement level? Well, we've been around for 20 years, and I fell into owning Classical Conversations by accident. I did not intend to uh, start a company that did this, but um, three years into my having the once-a-week tutoring program, I had 300 students on my waiting list. And so we saw an opportunity there to help more people. And so at this point, we're in 12 countries with over 120,000 students and their parents and toddlers and babies oh who show up once a week to work with us. So we're touching about 200,000 people a week. That's amazing. And the thing that's, yeah, it is amazing. God's really a good person, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> amazing amen. So, but the hallmark for all that we do is we have free three-day, it's always hard to say that, free three-day parent practicums where parents can just come for three days and um, we have camps for their kids and they can practice the classical model. And I think our investing in them is what's made those parents want to invest in us, that we would, you know, give three days of our time uh, for some intense academic studies is really appreciated. Is that online then, Lee, or is that a particular place they have to go? Yeah, oh, they're live. We have 500 three-day events in the United States alone oh this year. 
It's wonderful. They're in every major city multiple times. Now, we have listeners here in upstate New York, uh, Mid-Hudson Valley, in northern New Jersey, and in southern Maryland. Any uh, any events near any of those places? Yes. Um, the way it works, there's too many of them. I don't know where they all are. <laughs> but if you go on to our classicalconversations.com and click events and put in your zip code, all that kind of information will come up. Okay, good. So just click on events, include your zip code, and then take it from there to and people can uh, find uh, i guess uh, a nearby community of like-minded christian educators sure that's same place same way good well i thank you very much for your time uh, lee bortons uh, founder of classical conversations some stations are carrying your new feature called classical conversations because homeschool heartbeat uh, is no longer available, and this is just a, a wonderful feature, and uh, you're doing a great job on it. Any last remark, parting shot as you <laughs> that you would like to share with our listeners? Sure. To just, if, if the Lord trusts you with your children, just trust Him that He'll equip you to do what you need to do. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, this has been a plain answer. Thank you for joining us. And dear listener, if you'd like to find this online, we're up on our website, RedeemerBroadcasting.org. This will be posted there as a podcast. And please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.